live from the internet, it's the Narrative After Show, bringing you the entire week in review, with Rachel Bittacoffer, Eric Garland, and here's your host, Zeb Chalet. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the After Show. It's a Friday night. We haven't done one of these in a bit, and it's good to be back. There's been lots of news and various things going on, so we haven't had a chance to say hi to Rachel Bittercoffer for a while. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing good. I'm out in the wild tonight doing the show from the main part of the house. See if that helps. It actually is uh, a <laughs> signal. i got to say, Wi-Fi is better up there, by the way, just so you know. Well, tell yeah. Right away. My technical problem isn't Wi-Fi because actually my husband is a gamer. So oh. I have Wi-Fi that like the most souped up Wi-Fi. <laughs> you wouldn't even believe how. You're so clear right like, now. It's really strong. But yeah, my technical interruption is actually my little who's just turned nine but has autism. So it's really hard for him to understand, you know, hey, I'm not available. <laughs> and, and he's right, he- by the way, because, you know, it, he's your priority and he shouldn't be here and talk to us when if he needs you, he should, he should have priority. So, so he I'm wins trying this time, I'm going to just try to stick out in the main part of the house. Okay. Okay. We got it. No interruptions. <laughs> not for this hour. Eric's having some trouble with his Wi-Fi, it appears, because he doesn't look like Eric Garland right now. He appears to be yep. uh, Ginny Thomas as Eric Garland. So maybe Eric will join I'll us. Play. I know he's on his way. <laughs> You're a dirty mind, you know, <laughs> but it's interesting. <laughs> so uh, that'll be exciting if anyone picks up like the Ginny Thomas outfit as an outfit for, say, Halloween this year or one of those things. So, you know, I, I think it might be a good outfit. She's going to become a big deal by the time we get there. Yeah, like I'm like, I'm one of those people that learned long ago that my actual technical skills would never meet my expectations. I have very high expectations, as people might know, right? And I'm very bad at arts and crafts. So I've always kind of sat out Halloween. But one year in 2010, I had to go to a Halloween party for the university. And it was a good year. I went as Christine O'Donnell, the the I'm not a bitch lady. Which Christine O'Donnell, who is she? Yeah. Remind me. You remember she's the one that ran in Delaware Senate and her whole shtick she released the oh, yeah, 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 commercial yeah. and she's like, I'm not a witch. I remember that one. That was brilliant. That was a good year. Good year for Republicans. They did such a nice job that year. She was Republican, right? I think she was. today that woman is sane for yeah. like, you know, if we could get a Christine O'Donnell, we'd be like, oh, okay, things are okay. You She'd know? be ready for the presidency. So, you know, it is interesting what's been going on. Have you been watching the January the 6th hearings? Like a hawk. Yeah, I've been pretty, pretty glued. It's been really intense too. what we've learned coming through. I think for me, the first revelation that really stuck with me was that the Proud Boys had descended upon, kind of like took point (laughs) on leading the mob to the Capitol and into the Capitol, right? I don't know. I mean, for me, it's not like I bought into the idea that it wasn't an insurrection. I mean, we watched it in real time. We, everyone, right? And on Twitter, as they're storming the Capitol, there's like, we're having a conversation. Is this an insurrection? Yes, it is. It does look like an insurrection, right? But like this idea that it was an orc, that that was part of the orchestrated plan that these morons actually thought if we could take Congress, the physical structure of Congress, they could disrupt the transfer of power. I was always dubious that it was truly an articulated mission. Right? Mm, and now yeah. I'm like, damn, <laughs> yes, it isn't. It was it, part it was of the plan. A very detailed, long term plan. I mean, these guys were going for it. You know, I think you know, sometimes that's been the, res- you know, having investigated so many of these many conspiracies within this larger conspiracy for so long. Every time I say one of these things, people are always so dubious because it's so like, how can that possibly be? It sounds so ridiculous. Like who would plan such a thing like years in advance of even running for the elections? Why would you plan, you know, how are you going to steal the elections? It seems ridiculous. But in each time we've come across the same truth. These things have been planned for a very long time. It is crazy. It's out of this world. It's insane that people have been spending decades of their time, knowledge, money, God knows what else, to try and overthrow you know, the most perfect system we have on earth. 
in terms of uh, governing a country. It's, why would you do that? It makes no sense. But in fact, that's just the truth. There's nothing else to it. That's just how it is. That's what happened. Well, I mean, the, you know, let's think about the long story, right? Like the old people that were fighting now were once young and around them were old people, okay? And those old people were arguing, no, 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 we can't you know, let African-Americans in the South vote because they're going to become too powerful and they're going to start to influence the South and da, 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 da. And we can't let women do this and we can't take prayer out of school, right? And especially in terms of immigration, the 1965 immigration, you know, overhaul, that's really what small L liberalized American immigration and opened it up to Asia and South America and Africa, because previous to that, of course, we've had, you know, exclusion acts all throughout history, but previous to that generally was open to white European immigrants, right? And so, like, if you think about these old people who are old people now we're children of, like, they're, oh, you can't do this. It will decrease the white population, blah, 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 blah. And now here we are, fast forward 50 years, and the rubbers hit the road, and the white, you know, hegemonic power of not just this country, but all countries is being challenged in terms of racial diversity and multiculturalism. And so when you ask why would they do it, I am here to tell you it's, I think there would be a natural racial animus, even if there was no effort to heighten it. Instead of just a little effort, we have a well-orchestrated, purposely designed media ecosystem that was designed to enhance that kind of animus. And so what we're really seeing is natural erosion of the supremacy of white men in particular. And we're also seeing that coupled with this time period where people are Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are. We're seeing this with the old white guys are wanting to remain in control for sure. And I think maybe that's okay for them to have the say. They should be able to say that and express that without actually, you know, tarnishing the whole constitution and overthrowing the system of government that we've had. Yeah, no, I mean, you're allowed to say those things. I mean, they are saying it, right? I mean, to some degree, like that's what they're saying it with their actions. They used to be more dog whistly and now they're being pretty explicit. They sure are. Elements of, you don't hear the phrase great replacement theory, but you hear the theory from even Senator Cornyn, uh, the Senator of Texas, who at least, I think it was sometime in 2020 tweeted out, uh, a tweet about how nine out of 10 of new Texas residents were Latinos, right? And, I, and it was very obvious what he meant by that tweet, that white people in Texas are getting replaced by Latinos coming into the state. So it, Meanwhile, it Latinos really, are the new Republicans. The, the large chunk of the new Republicans voters are Latinos. But that's another thing. Eric, let's say good evening to you. It was I blamed you and your Wi-Fi, and it actually was my fault because I didn't press enter. So I'm sorry, I, I accused your Wi-Fi of not being amazing. But uh, you're amazing. Eric Garland is here. And, Alrighty. Alrighty. and it's my fault, and I apologize. And hi, okay. how are you? I'm great. Good. I'm, I'm um, white. I haven't been replaced. Oh, you're still there. Uh, I, well, you were a little bit, but Ginny Thomas. You were Ginny Thomas for the first few minutes of the show. But, I was uh, going to ask you to leave that up because it was hilarious to me. <laughs> I wonder if we could just add your voice over. I'll see if I can figure that out. Um, we'll do like those cut out things they used to do. For whoever's not talking gets the Jenny Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's a little hard for me to switch around, <laughs> but I'm going to try it. So she's had a big uh, – do you were hearing what uh, Rachel was just talking about, the you know old white men thing, which is really the thing that we we're all sort of trying not to discuss, but it's a, the thing that's everywhere? Now, I wrote an essay in 2012 called uh, Letter to a Future Republican Strategist Regarding White People. It went viral. It was a million views in six days. It cost me like 1200 bucks to keep my server open because I was like, hey, you it was Bill O'Reilly came out the day after the 2012 election and said, well, there's just not enough white people. And I was like, yeah. I am damn near translucent. <laughs> and my children are inexplicably more Caucasian than I am, and we did not vote for you. And I went, I'm like, I'm in a red state, I'm in the suburbs, I'm a, I'm a small businessman, I'm a job creator. Jeez, uh, where'd you guys, you know, I have a short haircut, uh, you know, where'd you guys miss? I went down the line of like, science, you can't say that physics are lies out of Satan's butthole, that won't work. Uh, Iraq, aren't you guys supposed to be good at war? And you're really mean. <laughs> And then yeah. uh, I was like, that's why, you know, people didn't vote for you. And either you should either harmonize with the, the reality here 
or your party is going to go out of business. And I failed to see the alternative option of complete yeah. and total sedition financed by yeah. hostile foreign intelligence services. Even that, that escaped even my 2012 10 year old. Yeah. What kind of futurist are you? Come on. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't think Ryan Priebus expected either when he was drafting the autopsy that instead they were going to be like, you know what? You, we're going to go the other way, right? Yeah, <laughs> what if we sold out to so foreign fucking powers? hard on minorities that you can't even see them, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. You know, I, this, the, okay. this is a good post-mortem because, I mean, look, you know, for those of us who, like, you know, show up and do shows and listen to us and our opinions and whatnot, mm. it's good, you know, for the audience to see, you know, there's stuff we get wrong and uh, that, you know, challenges our cognitive biases. I got to say, when Trump went straight at the Latin community and yep. knowing that the demographics, the way I do that, Rachel, that you know way, way better, I'm going, wait a minute. Yes, there is a big conservative contingent, but that there is also across the board, you know, uh, you know, Democratic voters in there and people who will take that the wrong way. I was like, he's just cut his own throat here politically. And that wasn't true because I didn't understand the role of Facebook and of like finding like saying something that's shocking and then finding the people who normally don't vote, but who did resonate with that and then feed that. I mean, that was evil genius that, uh, yeah, if you have I, no morals and understand psychology, it's easy to f people up. Yeah. But there is a piece of this that's actually, you know, amongst the Latino voters that are doing quite well for Republicans in the last uh, primaries as well. It seems to me that they've been able to discover, and maybe we just haven't had our, our, you know, be finely tuned to this, that there is a lot of fear amongst Latinos, especially along the southern border of other immigrants coming into that area. They don't want to be swamped by competition at their workplaces or just in general. They don't feel like it's the same. Some of them are with the cartels. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, you know, for a face. Yeah, but let's be honest, like, guys, I can tell you right now, number one, the problem with Latinos that Democrats are having is that somebody like me came along and said to the Republicans, as Eric was just pointing out, hey, let me go and hunt minority voters along education, because if we already have this rich dealignment of non-college educated white dudes, especially, we could probably go in there and push them with the same cultural wedges and get more. And yeah. you know what? Instead of like the side that I, I'm on, like that side's like, let's and throw some money at that. That seems like yeah. a good idea. And then when it worked, they expanded it. And this will be the fourth election cycle. So that special that we saw this week down in South Texas mm -hmm. is a story of the Republican part. I mean, two stories. Number one, Democrats not understanding symbolic, you know, reasons to contest shit at certain times and not others, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's a waste of money or technically, because the seat is the temporary seat. Okay. But the other thing is, it's, you know, are all the Democrats running around with their hair on the fire. Oh, my God, it's an 80% Latino district. It's always been Democratic. Well, it's also one of the lowest college educated electorates in the House. And if you're going there with digital and direct mail and radio, and you're pushing those Latino voters away from us, that's not they're not winning them like, hey, vote for Republicans. We're so awesome. They're winning them by saying the Democrats are coming to inflict socialism on you economically and and turn your boy children into girls, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the message that they're going with, especially mm. this cycle. Yeah, I mean, that is the message, right? I mean, you point the trans thing is such a big thing, and we're seeing it in so many, uh, you know, horrific ways. Though, I mean, there's a bunch of, of LGBTQ pride events that have been canceled in red states and around the country because of fear of intimidation and these threats that they're having. I mean, this is the fear that they basically are selling Americans right now. That instead of the real fear, which is the end of democracy, and you know, your vote doesn't count. They're selling, we're going to turn your boys into girls. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah, that's I mean, I mean at the end of the day, your messaging is not in a vacuum, right? So yeah. at the end of the day, the message over there is Democrats are scary. They're going to take all your money. They're going to turn America into a socialist hellhole. Their rhetoric over there is that we stole the election, that we have an illegal president, that we are above the law, <laughs> okay? Like they've made up all of these criminal fantasies about people like Hillary Clinton and Peter Strzok and blah, blah, blah. And so to them, we're the lawless, out-of-control, anti-democratic threat. And that's the message that the Republican base will get 
Latino base or Latino voter file, as well as a lot of the suburban voter file, will be hit with this message of the schools, you know, this idea that somehow Republicans are better at education, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous, right? It's a powerful message. And we're talking policy and they're talking fear. I can tell you who's going to win. And, yeah. and inflation. I mean, they've got, you know, inflation rigged to the highest levels now. So, you know, you're going to get this rising prices all the way through the elections. So then right after, of course, it looks like it might, uh, it might lessen. No, I mean, 8% per week uh, grocery increase is going to make any voter pissed off. So if anybody, you know, it's why we have, uh, we're lucky, I think, that, Gar- you know, Attorney General Garland is really empowering the antitrust section more than any time in the last 20, 30 years, really putting back 30 years of financialization, private equity, and, uh, you know, Bain Capital style roll them up strategy. Because when you have only one or two or three big you know, bottlenecks, choke points in any distribution system, especially if they're beholden, like, let's say they've got some tax evasion going on or whatever, and they don't, they would love to see a return to the Trump era. You know, it's in their interest to make, you know, life under, you know, people like Biden and Garland and the other, the rest of the administration seem like it's crazy, which, you know, we're keeping our head, you know, we're at the 50,000 foot view. We're watching Ukraine. We're watching, uh, you know, prosecutions for sedition and whatnot. And they're watching no Jif peanut butter, which was because of listeria, not jerking people around. But, you know, the price of steak going up, you know, six, seven percent a week. And then, you know, private equity is flooding like uh, rentals and suburban areas and uh, secondary and tertiary markets. So rent's going up way beyond wages. Now, if you can only really pull that off, you know, because there's really no organic reason for that. And if Putin's war, mm, Putin's war is a factor. Yeah, for sure, though. It's a factor. There are some disruptions in the supply chain, but we didn't have that much coming out of Vladivostok that, you know, that got messed up. You know, if Canada stopped trading with us, we'd feel that quick. But in any event, the, you know, it's a great, hey, it's a smart play. If you don't want to be held accountable for your financial schemes and tax evasion and whatnot, then the Republicans are the way to go because they do not want to prosecute felonies because a lot of them have committed quite a few of them. And that's just talking about the spouses of... Oh, (laughs) I think they're going to be plenty happy to prosecute shit as long as the perpetrator is a Democrat or aligned with the Democrats. I think we're going to see the most politicized, crazy shit we've ever seen in this country come out once they take over, especially if they win the presidency in 24. We almost got lucky that Trump won in, in 16 and took over in 17, and they had both... Uh, chambers of the Congress. And so there was really not a lot of, there was no benefit for them like politicizing prosecutions there. They were in control of everything. So it would have poked the bear a little bit too much. Right. Instead, they were burying their their investigations into Mueller. That was what they did. They're very very clear. They're telling people, as soon as we take over, we're going to start, we're going to impeach Biden. Mm. We're going to investigate Nancy Pelosi. I mean, that's crazy third world shit, guys. And they're not pretending. I mean, it's coming right out of the Republican leadership now. So I would take it seriously. And they're taking not only that, which Rachel, you're saying, listen to what they're saying and believe in, because that's in fact what they're saying. But they are run by, you know, they have some really questionable foreign forces that are in there, you know, supporting their agenda. And I know you don't like to talk about this, Rachel, so much because it doesn't impact sort of daily voters. But I, for me, it's such a big issue that, you know, there, there are these unseen foreign forces, intelligence forces or whatever you want to call them that are impacting our elections. We saw it in 2016, we saw it in 2020. We're going to see it again. It doesn't seem to impact American voters. I mean, people don't seem to either they don't digest the fact that it's happening or they don't care that it's happening because it must have been happening all along or they just don't see it as a really big threat which rachel what's really going on you can't feel threatened by the shit you don't know about though mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. that's like the story of the american electorate want to know why americans aren't freaked out right now they have no f-ing idea what's going on okay? mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if you're in the information bubble you're talking about a quarter of the country and how do we know because it's the 20 million viewers that tuned in to the primetime Jan 6, okay? Mm. And that's exactly one out of every four Americans 
by the way. And we're talking about across the spectrum. So, you know, all of us that watched it, plus all of the people in the DC Beltway media landscape that watched it, which is not an insignificant number, but it becomes insignificant quickly when you throw it into the American population. Mm, Keeping in mind, the entire enlisted U.S. military is about 2% at any given time of the U.S. population. Right. So, you know, observationally, things can get very distorted in, in how we think. So, yeah, it really is something, isn't it? That number is really interesting. So 20 million watched the thing, but that only counts for, what do you say, four? four One in four. four, four to 25%. Four. So, so, like, if you've been following me on Twitter yeah. for months leading yeah. in, I'm like, listen, it's going to help that they have a really great strategy. And they have aced the base. I mean, mm, they've done a great the job. Presentation. It's not the fault of the committee that Judge Leddick had a stroke and speak slowly. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad they didn't open with Judge Leddick in prime time, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, they needed to make it very clear and what they laid out yesterday was very clear about the legal, you know, intricacies of this Eastman plot, right? And then mm. how one of the most conservative jurists in the federal judiciary um, sees it as, as not just a threat to American democracy, but a clear and present danger and ongoing one, right? So, you know, in terms of that, it has been a well-orchestrated and Cheney and the committee have been doing good at putting out lots of video content that is shareable. So, you know, you got to assume maybe 40% of the public will see primary source material mm-hmm. of the most important news story of arguably the American experiment. Probably, okay? yes. So yes. When you think yeah. about who even fucking knows about foreign money other than like this idea that you know Russia spent in 2016 – if we think about the percentage of the electorate, Zev, that knows about that, we're talking about a very small percent. So they can't be concerned about it because they don't know. Yep. Wow. So they're just going to continue yeah. voting Republicans into power based on, hey, the oil price is high because that's just what they can Based on yeah, election no. messaging. I mean, you know, then this is something us grand strategists forget about that the strategists in the trenches like Rachel are doing is like, yeah, policy versus fear. I mean, you yeah. got to have something better than that and you can complain about it. But that's how it works mm-hmm. because yep. people are at work and, you know, they don't care that Dmitry Rubovlev, uh, you know, bought Trump's house for twice mm-hmm. what it was worth. They don't care, which is fine. But uh, with regards to Judge Ludig and that stuff, speaking of partisanship, I saw some people complaining online. Oh, these guys, are, have you looked them up? Some of these w- witnesses, they're complete wing nuts. It's like, I think that's the point. That these are not the moderates. These are not never Trumpers. These are not, you know, oh, you know, just become a Democrat, you know, now that I think about it. No, these are dyed (laughs) in the wool. Republicans. They just are. Ludwig is like the inspiration of the Federalist Society, dude. He's the OG boss, right? Like, I mean, God, and here's this man being like, look, we're supposed to care about the Constitution. Like, that's the whole thing. In point of the federal took it too far. No, (laughs) we fucked up. Stop, boys. I mean, and that is what to keep you know, because there's a whole lot of firearms in this country. And if there's a narrative out there that, like, oh, this is a dem takeover, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I love Liz Cheney up there, who's she's just got that the mom lecturing the teenager thing, like, Mm -hmm. listen, mister, enough of your nonsense, and this is how it is. And it's just like, it's not particularly febrile, it's not particularly angry, it's just like, this is what happened. This is what you did. Yep. And as we discussed before, there are consequences, mister. And I think that really speaks on a base level. And of course, she is not a moderate. This no. is Dick Cheney, <laughs> Darth Vader's little baby. This she is the, yeah. Dick Cheney's daughter. So they kick ah, a bunch of libtards. I don't think so. You got Federalist Society guy and the spawn of Dick Cheney. You guys just know this is a group of you fucked up and committed some felonies. Bye-bye. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Clarence Thomas? I mean, if this is the other side of the aisle and Clarence Thomas was supporting some democratic points of view, I mean, he'd be run out of town like, you know, he'd be run out of town. And yet here he is as a Republican. Democratic points of view, like not murdering Congress, like that kind of liberal stuff. Any democratic (laughs) point of view, he'd be run out of town. But here's the wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice who's still on the Supreme Court. When in fact, we all can see what she's done. I mean, she's got text messages. She's got emails. She's, you know, she's just been seditioning everywhere. So that's a term. Is that a term? But so, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> how is it's this a possible? Verb. It's, it is now. Yeah, I think it is a verb. But how is it possible 
that he's there. It's so counterintuitive that this man I mean, is still. What's he gonna do? Retired. Set himself on fire and run out of the building. You're right. I'm a traitor. Goodbye. It used to be that that's what you did. It used to be like, oh, but you know, oh, I got caught at this guy. Used and to I'm going to retire. No, no, Zev, this shit has never happened before. Dude, if this is really Carlson bad. Went to a fucking like, um, I don't know, like a climate rally. Yeah, right? that yeah, would exactly. be it. It would be a union, like, union like, rally. Wall <laughs> crisis coverage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's Thomas, oh, no problem. Let them keep doing it. The Thomas is out. We know that. We know that she's been conservative all along. There's nothing new here. You know? Conservative. That's why the contrast is so important. This is not we're criminalizing being conservative. Yes. This is, here's a whole bunch of people that are far more conservative than the most conservative guy you know. Right. These yeah. people would all be basically offensive to most moderate voters on their most genteel day. They're not in trouble. They're not going to prison. We are not criminalizing Republicanism. We're not criminalizing being conservative. We are criminalizing crime. We are criminalizing felony. And that was already criminal. And if you committed a felony, then go to prison. And it's... They're allowed to. It seems they're allowed to. I mean, you know, it seems like Thomas is going to get away with it. I mean, the, the worst she's gotten so far is an invitation to come and testify, which she's looking forward to. Uh, you I know, think I it's mean, so premature to be like, oh, they're going to all get away. I mean, this yeah, drives me true. fucking nuts. And I don't have time on Twitter to respond to people and yeah. be like, look, let me explain something to you, motherfucker. <laughs> it takes time. Okay. It takes time. And yes, like the Justice Department understands that they have a deadline <laughs> with a guillotine. Okay. <laughs> But it still takes a lot of time for justice to occur. What I'm telling people now, this has been stunning. Like, <laughs> evidence that we've seen so far, like, holy shit, man. Right? Yep, it is pretty amazing. Yeah. They've done a great job. They've got her leaning on state representatives. I mean, think about the power imbalance there. You've got no, somebody yeah. who's got, like, a, you know, a part-time pet food store. Right. Mm -hmm. That spends that runs for, you know, the whatever legislature in their state. Right. Mm -hmm. And the the spouse of a U.S. Supreme Court justice calls them personally or writes them personally and says union balance and the corruption of is just stunning. And we have I mean, they were just bashing evidence of it. I don't know if you guys can see the feed properly, but I know that oh, uh, Eric got paused at a great one yeah. that time. Yeah, so Eric I've been missed you. Paused in some terrible positions. All right, so I, <laughs> I apologize for the. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really sorry about like that. <laughs> Maybe we should all have Jenny Thomas pictures up, and we'll just do the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Um, so I, I apologize for people watching at home. I don't know what's going on, but you know, maybe Jenny Thomas is in the system tonight. Maybe she's had too many gins. <laughs> um, so why is it that we also have like all these people with these strangest names, like Ginny and Julian in the news all the time? I mean, who calls themselves Ginny or Julian? Only people like early 20th century period dramas are called Ginny and Julian. You know, I mean, who calls hey, them, isn't that dude? Isn't the dude that owns green food, whatever supplements, the uh, also named uh, Jenny? <laughs> oh, really? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure, like, somewhere out there is an audience member that you've just offended. Just offended. Me. No, no, I, look, I like the names. They sound very nice. They just they seem to be everywhere in the news. Um, now we so, backpedal. See, this I'll is try, called backpedaling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me Ray. Or you yeah. can call me Jay, but just don't call me guilty of 18 U.S. Code 2384. Uh, <laughs> which is just the segue I was trying to make. You know, I don't know which law you were trying to talk about there, but... Seditious Conspiracy. Uh, I would like to talk about Julian Assange, if we could. Which also may be related sure. to Seditious Conspiracy, but a different one. So what's going on, Eric? You know the story. I mean, I read it every once in a while. I glaze over because I just like, what? what? What's this about? Well, so maybe you Julian Assange... Julian Assange is coming to the United States to face charges of espionage. That date back Good. 12 years. But these are not the charges related to the 2016 election rigging, which is, was also involved in. These are he, charges he related. Uh, this is, I mean, his, for the folks at home who have never read, uh, you know, anyone who's thinking this is about publishing, they didn't read the superseding indictment uh, involving, uh, you know, Assange's espionage operations with Chelsea Manning. Right. Private Manning was handed custom-made hacking tools to get further into Pentagon infrastructure and wow. that ain't journalism. 
Oh yeah, no, I didn't know that. Oh, this was not just none of this stuff was just. Oh well, I was a witness. I my whistle blew. Yeah. Whistleblowers don't hack into different levels of the computer system in a classified setting than they're normally supposed to have access to at their rank. Mm. That's not whistleblowing. That's espionage. That's, you know, and dude, that's uh, you know, a strong case. You're saying it's a still a strong case, even though she's not in prison anymore. I mean, who's she dating? No, I don't know if she was dating someone. I don't care what she, I don't care who anybody dates. Um, just like I, she's I, a super Manning, of some sort. Man, but, um, well, Manning's been pretty quiet uh, these past few years. Uh, there yeah. was some issue there where as part of the plea deal, they were supposed to go and testify to uh, the grand jury. There was a refusal there and there was some incarceration. But, you know, that's kind of in the past. As far as the Assange stuff, Assange has been in the United Kingdom, first under the, you know, the Ecuadorian regime and then transferred into the hands of, of the UK. And the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, uh, just signed, you know, the, the court's been, well, basically everything had been cleared by the courts. And now it was waiting on the Home Secretary to make uh, the decision and sign the papers. And that just happened. It's almost like there's a whole lot of stuff happening at the same time that isn't just the 2016 election, but a great deal of operations that led up to it. Um, but, because really, but without been- WikiLeaks, you do not have the culture of 2016 mm-hmm. where leaks from the FBI or leaks from DNC emails or the existence of a FISA warrant. Mm, None of that's journalism without WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks opened the door to that. And then our great mainstream media said, oh, no, 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 no. Let's talk about this for some reason that, you know, geez, why did they not think, oh, I don't want to be complicit in 18 U.S. Code 793, illegal traffic and stolen defense information. I would hate to be part of that. So I'm not going to treat this like journalism since it's a felony. And they were accessories to that felony, incidentally. Well, they jumped right in. It's still, you know, I find it curious. Why did they uh, breach the law like that because it's this is not a journalistic ethics question it's a felony question and they aided and embedded a felony but anyhow but Assange just to be clear here because this is this debate is quite serious right about whether Assange is considered a journalist or not I mean we don't really want uh, journalists to be prosecuted easily for publishing secret documents that they happen to get their hands on we do want to publish punish people who are committing crimes like espionage pretty seriously if they're doing similar things so it's uh it's it's, a, it's true journalists who give people tools to hack into the pentagon yeah. using something that was coded that was somewhere that they knew people that could hack into the pentagon yeah. and yeah. are american those no we shit. call them spies they are no not. In fact, that's exactly right. They're not journalists anymore. Even if they're working for journalistic organizations, even if they look like journalists, even if they walk around with cards that say press on them, still they have hacking stuff that they're handing over. Definitely not something I ever learned to journalism school. No, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> so we're not going to get Assange because he is uh, testified, because this is about the other case involving Manning. It apparently means that we can't uh, put him on the court to face the other charges for 2016. I don't know what the term is. There's some legal term. He, he was never charged for it, so he can't. There's no case. It never will that. be. It could never be because you could only get one shot at this, apparently. So we went with a Manning shot versus oh, the. No, we can. Oh, is that I mean, part of the extradition deal? Yes. We can only was, charge him one crime? <laughs> it's a legal term. I'm not sure what the legal term is, uh, but it's. I've uh, never uh, heard of anything like that. Oh, uh, really? Uh, it was, well, maybe I misread my Twitter feed. But it was, seemed like it was a legitimate yeah, thing that was coming up today. That there was only be this, this would be it. This would be the shot to get Assange. If we didn't get him on this, we wouldn't be able to go and like prosecute uh, 2016 afterwards. Which would be, I don't know, that to me seems like a bad idea. We should, we'd want to. We'd want to yeah, prosecute I, 2016. I mean, that's not double jeopardy. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's not, no, that's no not it's bad. not double jeopardy. It's not. There's some kind of law called simulation or something like that, or legal principle called simulation, <laughs> um, which I'd never heard yeah. of. But. No, we'll have to look into it. Okay. Okay. Yes. I, th- I, th- I think our MLAT treaty with our mutual legal assistance treaty with with the United Kingdom, they definitely wanted the death penalty taken off the table because they mm-hmm. and you yes. know, I think it's a great reason to get rid of the death penalty personally because we're one of like five countries that allows that legally and it messes up the diplomacy. So, uh, and I think if you don't believe governments can. Um, you know, pave roads properly or expand Medicaid properly, then having them commit homicide properly probably doesn't make sense. That's just my view. <laughs> That's very compelling. I like that. Does, I mean, 
uh, you know, small government. Okay. But let's not have them shoot us in the face. Just a thought. Um, we can <laughs> shoot each other in the face just fine. I don't uh, just, you know, just that that's what the, I think the British wanted us to make sure that that was off the table. Cause I think that's part of some of their domestic politics, which is very, which is more the rule than the exception, but you know, and this is as far as the Assange case, you know, with the actions that he had taken, this is as far as that got, uh, the, you know, the, uh, events surrounding Manning. I can't remember if, if anything related to Snowden has been charged. I think Snowden's been charged. We've seen that. But either way, look, if you're going to get 100 years in prison, it kind of doesn't matter if you get 300 years in prison, you know? So, but more importantly, we're going to, you know, getting him over here, I think the timing here as we, you know, we go at the attempt to overthrow the government to keep the Trump regime in place, you go back to how did this get here? And part of the way we got here was Assange. And a part of it was WikiLeaks exactly. and Russian intelligence behind them. Yep. <laughs> when we get him and then we can, you know, now we can deal with that because, of course, there's a lot of Russian influence and other foreign influence in the UK. So it's like, you give us that guy. Boop. He's over here. You know, it seems like we are walking day by day, getting very, very close to telling people what happened, you know, because when you go to January 6th and go, God, how the hell did the wife of a sitting Supreme Court judge end up being the middleman mm. between a bunch of domestic terrorists mm. and the president and Congress mm. and what the hell is going on here? I think you need to go back four years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to all sorts of things like, okay, why was the NRA pushing so many guns? And, you know, why were we desensitizing people to the notion of, uh, you know, vigilantism and you know militarized policing and school shootings and blah blah blah. there's a whole bunch to unpack for this country and i think it starts okay we kind of have to we're rewinding to 2016 and Assange has to come over for that i like what you're saying because what you're basically saying it doesn't matter if uh you know it doesn't get found guilty in the case what's really important is that we debrief him and then we get information for him and get him cooperating with us because he might have a lot of detail about how the other side works that we might be other side interesting other sides yeah, work. yeah. so th- yeah. I mean, that's kind of nice to have on our side i feel the same way about Snowden and greenwall and all the rest of them they should be brought back here and face charges i mean of course they're not wanting to do that, i have never defended glenn greenwald yeah, in anything and i'm not going glenn to greenwald. but he hasn't been charged with a crime <laughs> so there's no there's no reason to extradite him but when we like to have night is young unfortunately <laughs> being a total douchebag is not illegal no no well, it can be in parts of the world, but uh, or, he, or he would be at the Hague. Yeah, <laughs> you know what the we why I hate Glenn. Like, and this is why I hate Glenn Greenwald is he thinks he's a good guy and he thinks yeah. what he does is good and helpful. And it's like, dude, you shit on democracy in so many different ways. I think he got you to, are I, like he is what he hates. He purports to hate. You know, it drives me nuts. Did he get I would trapped places could, with him? Yeah. Did he get trapped? Was what going on there with Glenn, Glenn Greenwald? I never quite understood that whole story. Like, I mean, he seemed like a legitimate kind of guy at the beginning, like uh, Snow, Snowden was as well. And then, you know, what, what happened with Greenwald? Was he just trapped? Was he caught into you know in a trap of some sort? Like, it seems to me that he, he turned into a really evil dude quite quickly. Yeah, he really like it, he went off the deep end, and I mean yeah. Matt Taibbi kind of experienced the same trajectory. Like when he was first reporting for Rolling Stone, he was doing some of the best shit they were putting out, and then yeah. like I don't know what happened, you know? Mm, yeah, it's interesting. It, so, but I mean, if you can get fired from the Intercept. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the I mean, Intercept because I actually do enjoy reading the Intercept. Keep in mind, the reason he, they had to let him go is he was trying to argue they were censoring him, and all they were like trying to do is be like, "Dude, we can't print actual bullshit. We can print <laughs> things that are more speculative than yeah. and less like you know corporate filtered. I mean, like this show, right? Like they yeah. can, but we can't." actually just like print like a QAnon conspiracy theory that which is what they i don't know what the story was about anymore but that was what the quality of the information was and he ended up quitting and ever since then he's been you know a thorn in the side of democracy like look at a f-ing terrible thing to do with yourself i'm sure he's not chosen <laughs> to do this i mean it feels to me, yeah but i think it's another interesting thing because it is you know speaking about Journalism that uh, is maybe connected to intelligence in different ways. I mean, you never really know where, where the intercept comes at you. You know, it's sort of like it's got great journalists working there actually, and there are some really good, interesting stories that show up all the time with information that you'd never get anywhere else. And I, I don't understand quite how uh, how they get uh, 
funded and how they get out there. But, you know, the more the merrier, I guess, as long as they're not lying yeah. to me. I mean, I'm just, and I am going to say, like, they're not, I mean, if there's like some sourcing skepticism, because like at the New York Times, shit's yeah. going to be triple or even quadruple sourced a lot of it, right? Yeah. And, you know, you don't see that kind of standard in other agencies, you know? And uh, if he shows up and they're like, look, this information's bad, like, it's not like, my point is, they don't have a bias towards, filtering out shit that's bad to publish, right? It's the intercept. They will publish it as long as they can even get a, enough meat on the hook to verify it, you know? I've got to say, some of these stories I'm really very impressed yeah, by. I'm sure. Yeah, some of it is really investigative journalists, good. they get there. They get the story that other people can't get. I don't know how they do it. They sometimes admit certain things where you're like, that should have been in the story. But, you know, other than that, some, I believe them a lot more than I believe the New York Times sometimes because – you know, the New York Times, you know, who knows what that is these days. There's a big media story that broke um, this week involving the FBI. Mm -hmm. The Department of Justice uh, identified uh, the subject of an Office of Inspector General memo about uh, inappropriate contact between senior FBI personnel and the media. And uh, the person that was named is a guy named Michael Steinbach, who was uh, the executive assistant director for the National Security Branch. And mm. um, he, he retired suddenly in March 2017 and then refused to be interviewed by the OIG's office. Mm. And uh, he is uh, cited in these reports uh, for having had media contacts outside of the Office of Public Affairs. And mm. he claims that, that was at the behest of James Comey and other senior leadership mm. to get out there and engage with media and make sure that our brand is protected at the FBI and that the story is out there is the quotes that, that so came in the, out. in the middle of the 2016 hubbub and all of that, uh, everyone concerned about whether enough information was coming out. Comey was saying, go get out there, talk to people. And maybe yeah. that's not the right thing to have done considering. Well, here's the thing. The There's an the office of public there's an office of public affairs and all those contacts are tracked. And if there's any exchange of monetary value that that has to go under federal rules. And apparently there are allegations about some dinners that were taken and apparently invitations to the uh, white house correspondence dinner mm. as the guest of a media company. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it was are we talking about Steinbach or is there, it involves other people? This is all one guy. This is all Steinbach. Okay. So he went to the white house correspondence white house correspondence dealer. Apparently, I think either with somebody from New York Times or elsewhere, and I mean, it was the CNN journalist said, you're cheating on me with that other journalist. <laughs> that is how you do you know, By the way, the White House correspondent said that's how it works. You, you, each media organization has to sort of grab a big political star and invite them to come sit at their table. So that's how, well, political or celebrity star. Well, political and national security are different. Yes. Yeah. I've never seen an FBI guy at any of those things. That's interesting. That's what so. I was going to say. That's not like, he's not, nobody knows who this dude is. Yeah. There's no star I mean, value in that. Wouldn't we all like invite like Al Franken with us to just crack jokes or something? <laughs> yeah. There, right? There are politicians. I would actually like, wear an Al Franken dress with his hands up on my tits <laughs> like that. Like that'd be awesome. Me too. Dude. Me too. <laughs> Me or wait, too. <laughs> am I confusing this White House correspondence thingy bobber with like you know, the Oscars, I think. Yeah, he's, uh, he's making another run for it, by the way. Not at the movies, but Al Franken is wanting to be a st senator again, apparently. So he's going to Oh, try. he is? I hadn't yeah, heard that. Yeah, he's well, he, whether he, he wants should, to because Stuart guess what? what? It was a fucking joke, dude, because he was okay. a comedian that was yeah. hired to be funny. And yeah, it was an inappropriate joke. And I'm sure he felt bad and learned his lesson, but... He didn't mean he had to be canceled. Forever. Compared to what happened sure. afterwards at the White House, compared to that president, I mean, anything <laughs> can be forgiven before, right? So, but even before sense. that, like you know, yeah. we. I'm glad we're kind of like pulling back a little bit now, like the the left, because it, it, it involves self policing right? mm. on this idea that like people need to be shunned, right? Like uh, that people have to be not just have 24 hours or 36 hours of a bad news cycle. They have to be black and bald professionally. Yeah. Things you can do that the standard of necessitation for that, but an offhand joke, a bad joke as a comedian, you know, a tweet that is meant to be funny, but like other people just act like you meant it seriously. That kind of shit just drives me nuts. 
Dude. Right, right. I mean, and no one's perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect all the time. No People are going to make mistakes. Perfect. I mean, especially no if they didn't expect to be in the public sector and then they find themselves there. It's like, okay, maybe they shouldn't have done that thing 10 years ago, but they just did it because they didn't know they're going to be in this position. And, you know. Yeah. Oh, so. no shit. That and like standards, I mean, especially the across time shit drives me nuts because mm. it's like, dude, yes. let me tell you a little bit about 1990. <laughs> <Okay>? uh, <laughs> you mean like, like political standards of the quorum in the office kind of a thing. Yeah, what happened in 95? <laughs> Tell us, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> we want to hear the story about 1995. <laughs> I'll mean, tell you. It was so different when I was in high school. Like, almost everybody I knew in high school dated somebody who was above the age of 18. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you've. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were talking about DC, where, you know, back in that period of time, like, you know, all the female staffers in the Senate knew do not get on the elevator with Jesse Helms. Yeah, that old hand is going right up that new skirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I mean, that's the kind of egregious shit like you should be canceled for. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I believe we it's. Ass- I mean, again, there's a felony. This is not we're singling anybody out. It's a felony. It's assault. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but, um, but I, mean, I want to really, hear about the ninety five like, story. The point, though, Eric, is that like honest to God? Like I don't. I mean, could there is not a lot of criminal prosecutions for that kind of activity that I'm not saying it shouldn't have been. I'm saying we've always had it wrong. But back then, when you grabbed or slapped somebody in the ass, you weren't facing a felony. I mean, just there wasn't even like people didn't conceptualize that as sexual assault the way they do now, like, especially like the less, I mean, obviously putting your hand up somebody's skirt is, is a sexual assault, but I'm talking about like, butt slapping and like people were just the behavior standards back in the eighties and the nineties were so different than they are now. They really are. And that's a good thing. I mean, that we've evolved somewhat, but, and yet our reaction sometimes seems to be so conservative, especially amongst the Democrats. So, you know, it feels they've, they're holding themselves to a higher level of purity uh, than the Republicans, certainly. No doubt. And and you can't have a time. My point is this, (laughs) you can't apply like today's standards to people that existed or when you, you, even people who are still alive today that, you know, when they were in the eighties, it's not today's standard. So, uh, you know, there's behavior that transcends these time differences. That's so overtly bad, like Jesse Helms's behavior, but a lot of it is, you know, differences in how humans interact, men and women, parents and kids. I mean, the shit that we did as kids, there's not a parent out here that lets their kid do the shit that we did every day. And, and that was our How did norm. we survive to this point? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, spare a thought for Rachel uh, Bobart. What's the first name? I, f- I just slipped my mind. <laughs> Lauren Bobart. Lauren Bobart. <laughs> Sorry, I just slipped my mind. I got it. I got it. Just, it's coming towards the end of the show. So my brain's just, just turning off. But um, Lauren Bobart was apparently, she way she met, uh, she got into politics was through Ted Cruz, we found out this week. And when she, when she was an escort, yeah, she I believe. Did. And, uh, we and, confirm this though. I was under the impression this has not been confirmed. Oh, okay. So let's just be gossip. I'm happy to speculate about the fact that Lauren Bobart got, cut her teeth on Ted Cruz's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody it deserves it more clear than Ted. If I'm being speculatory about it, we, you know? yeah. But, so let's say we're speculating about a piece of gossip here. But isn't that interesting? Let me talk about someone who's uh, who's turned her life around. It's like a you know, it's like a pretty woman story, basically. Um, uh, is it? It's a, is it? Because you know, first of all, Explore Talent is a, the modeling agency that they've gotten a surprising number of these insta pundit, insta congressional figures off from. And it's tied to the adult industry and it's run by an Israeli mobster. And oh, that's just how that is. And it's out of, uh, it's out of Las, I mean, explore talents out of Las Vegas and Bobert, uh, had a profile on there. Melissa Caroni, who was the, uh, the drunk, uh, d- put, you know, defrauded voter that Rudy brought to the, uh, the Michigan state house as part of the treason plot. She's an actress and, She's- uh, and Cand- explored talent. Candace Owens, who yeah. is a, you know, Insta Republican, uh, you know, figure who I think is married to Jacob Rees-Moggs, who's uh, a, is also uh, just another horrible and fear capitalist yeah. human being. I, I mean, yeah. he's that dude just that dude has like, you know, Russian investment positions. He's straight up. Oh, I mean, Candace, but yeah, he's bad. Too. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> they all came off this website. Um, that also, you know, um, does Street some, you know, some light porno if you want. I mean, and 
you know, the, I actually find that the the latter mentioned uh, industry to be way better run and, uh, you know, cleaner than uh, this thing of we're going to, you know, can we also hire you to help us create a narrative around that'll allow us to murder Congress? That's the problem. You know, if you're getting your congressional reps, not from, you know, local civic leaders, business leaders, uh, the guy who runs the hospital, you know, maybe I will go service in Washington or whatever. If you're getting people, you know, off the, you, we can I, either have some, can we have some cam girl work or you can be in Congress and okay. bring a Glock to Congress on day one. Yeah. Well, Madison Coulthard as well had those, uh, those things as well. So, you know, they maybe need to pick better representatives. I mean, his behavior at that Russian casino where he met his wife that doesn't exist is unconscionable. <laughs> does she not exist at all? Does she, does she actually have figments? I, I, don't know about the, I don't know if the wife does, but, okay. but <laughs> Rachel, were you on the show and were talking about like the Madison Coulthard's cover stories yes, that he met? were the ones okay. that informed me of his Russian mail order. <laughs> the, 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 the Russian <laughs> casino that doesn't exist. It's like a fucking episode of Doctor Who. It's like they go through <laughs> through time and he meets a Russian girl at a, so at a, at a CrossFit so event in time. And then the... <laughs> Do we know who's going to replace Madison? Do we have an idea? Let me show you guys my new mail order bride. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is Hammy. I predict Hammy. We're waiting for Rachel to introduce us to her new I have additional marshmallows. We're waiting bride. on mail order, mail, mail order brides. Oh, 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 look at that. Oh, what an attractive <laughs> bride. Look at that. He comes from the land of sheep doodles And uh, hey, Mr. Hammy, how are you, Hamilton? It's good to see you again, buddy. I can come say hi. You're just trying Aww. to rush us to the to the end of the show because you know when you get a five o'clock hug from him, and and here it is, almost yeah, five o'clock. Can't hug me today because well, see, look now he's compensating. Aww. Look at him. Oh, he's so sweet. He's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> I want a dog just like that. I mean, I'm sure it makes life much nicer because he's like oh, such I gotta a gentle tell soul. You, dude. It's like having like a serotonin high on tap, you know? Yeah, yeah. I need one. Of those. <laughs> Need one of those. So I think that's it. That's the show. You know, by the way, this is the second last uh, after show uh, of this season. So I had a whole other thing. I prepared. knew there were people who came just to see Hammy, and I didn't want to deny them. No, and this will be the second last time that we able to see Hamilton in uh, in the season because in two weeks <laughs> we're going to stop the show for live shows. We'll continue to run a, a whole bunch of other things. And I had a whole thing I was going to share with you about funding and all this other stuff, but my computer has basically let me do nothing tonight but show you these three faces that you're seeing all the hour. So I'm going to stick with that and uh, probably end the show now. Uh, tell us something that is very hopeful, if you could, on the way out here, other than Hamilton. Uh, Rachel, why don't you start? Trump's going to go to jail, motherfuckers. Guilty as f Okay, I like that. <laughs> Eric? It's not all, the project is not done yet, but we are seeing the rule of law reassert itself. And uh, yes, you can get in trouble just because something is a massive federal felony. Just from that. It'll, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. You too can get a pre-dawn raid from the FBI. And that warms the dark black cockles of my heart. All I can say is put me on the pardon list, boys. Put me on oh. the pardon list. <laughs> Things you don't want on your oh, epitaph. I, well, I, by the way, if they're still doing the pardon thing so I don't die in prison, just go ahead and do that for me. <laughs> and my happy note for the night, it's the weekend. It's the weekend. It's officially here. It's eight o'clock, almost eight o'clock. So good night to everybody. And we'll see you again next week for the final episode of the after show for this season. Have a great weekend, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. can support our independent journalism by going to www.patreon.com forward slash narrative.